talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview. And welcome to this week's episode of the Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM. I'm your host, Gordon T, and I get the absolute honour and privilege of talking to some of the biggest names from the world of contemporary Christian music and worship. And this week, we're going to be talking to the wonderful Noel Robinson. Uh, he's a worship leader. And he shares some of his journey in that. He talks about, about racism growing up in London and about barriers within the church as well. Uh, but he also talks about the glory of God and how gifted he was when his dad, age five, gave him a guitar uh, and just how by the age of eight he was in the worship band at church and the opportunities uh, that he took uh, to actually go closer in worship and find out more of God's love and the way God impacted him as a teenager. I really like this guy and I think you will too. But before we meet him, let's hear a bit of his first track. This is Rain. And that was Rain by Noel Robinson. Hey, Noel, how you doing? Doing so good, so so good. Great, great to be on the show. You know, it's um, absolutely an honour oh, to be here. Well, the, on the honour's ours, I feel so. But thanks so much for making time to come and chat to us today. Uh, yeah. Now, obviously, lots of people will know your name. Uh, you've been at all sorts of different events and leading worship in whether it's at festivals, uh, conferences. I'd love to know a bit more about how you got to be where you are today. You're, yeah. Am I right in saying you? You're a five-time MOBO-nominated artist. Oh, that's that's crazy good, isn't it? I, I know. I don't know if it's crazy good because I'd like to win it once. No, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. MOBO nominee, yeah. Just like... Um, um, it's It's been a journey with that over the years, but um, I'm always honoured because I'm actually a worship leader and, and most of those kind of awards are around contemporary... Um, gospel or, or whatever. So to have someone like me who's a worship artist in it is I was always like a throw out there, but to be nominated five times. So, but must it speaks something of the music? You know, we marry we marry contemporary music with you know um, with the lyrics of worship, um, and um, I'm always eclectic in my um, outlook on music. So. Um, Lots of different songs take different shape, but they're all worship songs. So that's how it is, really. So tell us a little bit about your journey. In fact, how, how long have you been a Christian? Uh, how did you become a Christian? How, how does music tie up into all of that? Well, I, I'm, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, um, my father came from the Caribbean, and um, he was kind of the end of the Windrush uh, you know, uh, community that came over. But whereabouts in the Caribbean? Uh, Jamaica, the island of Jamaica, that's my heritage. And um, so um, my dad came here and I was born here. Um, and, you know, his dream was to work for like five years and go back to um, back to the Caribbean. But obviously I was born and and um, it, it would it would seem like the best thing to do was to stay here and build a life. So thank God he did that. Um, um, so my mum died when I was um, five years old. Gosh. Um, so I didn't really know her. Um, and it was around that time when, you know, I spent a lot of time with my dad. My sister, I had a younger sister who went off to me with my aunt because my dad couldn't look after a girl, but I seemed to be the one stuck with him. And uh, But one of the things that he would do is always play his guitar. And um, at five years old, six years old, I, I wanted to play. So he put a guitar in my hands and I started playing from that age, you know, six years old. By the time I kind of, was in school, fully blown in school. I was a bit of an enigma as a young boy playing guitar the way I played it because it was very mature. Um, um, one of the things that was really, really great about that season was during that time with the, with the makeup of the country and uh, people's um, hearts towards immigrants, it was a really difficult time, really, really strong racism. But what really kept um, us very protected was the community, you know, it's church community, actually. So my dad was a big believer. So our church community was very special to us. And we had our own churches that that were grew out of the black church movement, that grew up to become the black church movement. Um, so 
we had a community that um, really, really protected us from stuff. So I grew up with um, faith being very much in the picture and alongside the music where I became one of the church musicians. So I was at all the services, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, um, Tuesday, Tuesday and, and Thursday services, for Friday rehearsals. So I, I began to play a lot of music. That's a big commitment, actually. What age were you when you started doing that? Oh, eight, nine. <laughs> wow, okay. Right. That is that is quite special. That's amazing. Oh, so whereabouts was this? Which church was well, it? This was, I, I belonged to the Church of God of Prophecy, which were in the black... Um, black majority churches here in the UK. And um, most certainly it was in its embryonic time as well, because I actually became the music director of the whole, the whole church in the UK and Europe. Wow. Um, and I got into my teens. So from that point of view, it was, uh, it was a, 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 a incredible training ground for the gifted. Uh, we didn't have music charts or, or chord charts and song books per se. Uh, you just had to play everything by your ear. So that actually developed my music much quicker. Um, so by the time I was 14, 15, um, I was playing in an orchestra. I was playing double bass in an orchestra. I had a grade seven classical guitar um, and piano. And um, and my school didn't know what to do. So about 16, they farmed me out to um, Goldsmith, Goldsmith College to study jazz and improvisation and, um, and uh, you know, just all that kind of stuff. So I end up, my dream was to be a musician. So that was, um, that's part of my early journey. Yeah. Well, the dream to be a musician, I think you can put a big tick beside that, can't you really? That's amazing that those opportunities came about because I think there are probably lots of people who, who look back and might go, I wish I had those opportunities. Um, but clearly for you, you, you grabbed them, didn't waste any of them because that's quite, it's, it's quite a time commitment though, isn't it? For a, for a, for a young guy, eight, nine, being doing all those services well we only lived we lived in three spaces home school and church that was community um and you know that protected us a lot from um a lot of things that were going on and um it sheltered us if you want to call it that um it was home school and the community so um it was you know to be in uh, friends and church members homes we could visit our friends our homes we built up a strong community of friends, young people. In actual fact, it was my introduction to gospel music because the first music that I really uh, started to play was a kind of country scar. And then I heard Gary Moore and Eric Clapton and, and ACDC, and I was like, wow, this is all great. This is all guitars, yeah. So And Santana and Jimi Hendrix, and I, I was like, oh, this is what I want to play. Um, but it wasn't the style of music that we played. And I know when I was around... Um, 12, 13, I went to my first uh, concert at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, my dad allowed me to go with some of the older older kids in church. And that was Andre Crouch, the legend. It was his concert. The songs that he was singing, we wanted to play them, you know, soon and very soon. So it meant that I had to learn those songs. And that's the first time I became introduced to what we call, quote unquote, gospel music. Uh, because there was a group of young people in our church, it was about 80, that needed to find some songs to sing that didn't sound like what our parents were singing, which were hymn book songs. Send the light, the blessed gospel. We want to be much more, you know, uh, trendy. So we found Andre, we found the Hawkins. We found something that looked like us and it's something to do with culture. We found black people that looked like us singing the music that we thought, well, if they're singing it, then we need to sing it. That's how, you know, I got involved in, in black gospel music. Um, uh, because I saw people that looked like me doing it. So I thought that must be the thing. So we end up learning that style of music. So that's kind of kind of the background to my musical context, really. Um, just learning from everything around me. Um, I had an incredible gift in. My dad really fed that gift in, bought me guitar, my own electric guitar and my own guitar amp and all the things that I needed to do. And um, it was only about three or four years ago I realised why there was a piano in our house and that my dad was not the main musician in the house when my mum was around. My mum was the main musician. She was the actual choir director for the, the, the choir at our church. And I had, nobody had ever told me that. So I, I sensed that you know, a lot of music was going down in, in me when I was being born, you know, that's an interesting thing. That was really, that was really special to find that out.
Can I ask a question? Did you find in the church, you talked about being at such a strong community, did you find within that that there were other women figures there who were helping you and mothering you? Absolutely. My aunt, um, so many, you know, in actual fact, I went and, and did worship at a church um, during, well, during the pandemic, and there was a lady on um, there, and she says to me, I used to change your nappy. And um, I actually know that she used to do that because she was my mum's, one of my mum's best friends. Got you. So obviously when um, I was born, she was around. And obviously when she, my mum passed away, she was very much there in the picture helping my dad with me. In actual fact, this is how it was. I, we lived at number 42. At number 45 was um, a church family of four kids. Down the road, the Campbells that, I can't remember what number they were at. They were part of our church. So on my road alone, there were three or four people that lived. So I, when I came home from school and my dad was at work, I'd be at 45 having dinner with those children. And then in the evening, I'd go over to my dad. So it was a real family community. Wow. Yeah. That's... Um, everyone looking after um, everyone. That is a good thing. So which town was this all in? This was all in London, actually, northwest London in Wilsdon. Wilsdon, Okay. So, because you mentioned about racial tensions and North London, certainly, um, probably, I don't know exactly which year you're talking about, but I'm hazarding a guess was pr was pretty difficult. Yeah, in the, in the 60s, like mid sixties, late sixties, that's that's when it was very, very, very um, volatile. You know, we were totally protected um, from that. But what I'm glad about is that um, because of that, you know, that's where I found Jesus. That is going to be my next question, actually. Uh, you, were, you were there in the church community and you were immersed in it the whole time. But there's, there's that thing with, with people where they're in it and then actually there comes a point when they know it, they own it as well. Yeah. Uh, what was that, what was that process like for yourself? How did you actually become a Christian or know you were? I think eight years old was a, a, a time when I became aware of uh, the Jesus, Jesus factor. So I was baptised at eight. I think that, I think the journey of your faith is that, you know, you, you grow to understand who he is. And, you know, most certainly when I was in my teenage and battling with my identity and who I was and, and all the stuff around that and finding my identity in music and, and other things in life uh, was part of that. But then um, really coming to a, a real understanding was in my late, my late, teens, I suppose, I really came to understand of who Jesus was, had an encounter with him that, that really shaped me. Um, that wasn't anything to do with the music, but it shaped me. There's moments in my life as I've traveled the journey where I, I, um, I encounter God in a unique way that actually speaks and narrates to me a greater story of calling and purpose. And I have these these moments along the way on the journey so most certainly getting baptized at eight was an acceptance of well whatever this jesus is i i, I love it i'm seeing him work in people's lives and as i got into my uh, you know teens late teens beginning to find my faith um and choosing jesus rather than choosing what we call the world and all the stuff that was going on you know young parties and all that kind of stuff that you know, what young people do, you know, rave and all that kind of stuff. But I think the music had a, a big part to play in that, in that I loved music. So it was the place where I could perform and play. Yeah. So I stayed in church rather than go out, stayed in church because I wanted to play the music. So you, you, you mentioned about there being numbers of sort of particular moments in your life where you've had those encounters with God, where something special and, and unique happened. Could you share with us, some of our listeners, they won't all be Christians and they won't necessarily know quite what you might be talking about, but could you give an example of one that was particularly poignant for you? I think in my late teens, being exposed to a, a worldview and uh, the things around me, you know, friends and people in, in, you know, a lot of my friends were not in church, but outside of church were finding themselves with drugs and, and all kind of stuff. Yeah, you know. And having um, just saying to God, I think me going, well, okay, what is this church thing about? Because I love you, Jesus, and I, I, but I, I need to know you. I, I, I need to know you. And 
and, and a beautiful moment happened where there was a guy that came to our church um, to, to preach. And he, he came, he, he was preaching about the Holy Spirit and people talked about the Spirit before, but I had not experienced it. But I saw many people from where I was standing and playing my music. I saw many people experience what we call the Holy Spirit. And I think that was one of my final questions in my teens, that Holy Spirit, if you're real, I, I want to be filled with you because I'm seeing my friends. I'm seeing this move of God in church. And I know to those who don't know what I mean by that, but I'm just seeing a real refreshing time. People come into faith. Yeah. Our church is about three, 400, maybe up, maybe more than that. And, and loads of young people are coming in. And I was like, Lord, I, I want to experience you deeper. If you're, if the Holy Spirit's real, come and, come and fill me. So, um, one night I remember during this kind of revival, I, I get off my guitar and I go down to the altar and um, I go down on my knees and I start crying out to God and saying, God, please just fill me, please fill me. Too. And then um, they decide they want to sing a song and so somebody comes and taps you on my shoulder and they tap me on the shoulder and says, oh, I really need you to play the music now. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm searching for the Holy Spirit. It's supposed to come, I'm tarrying. And they were kind of like, Okay, uh, but we really need you to come and play the music we're about to sing. So I reluctantly get up and I go up to my seat on, and we're on a kind of stage where the band is and I'm there and I pick my guitar up and I'm, I'm pretty disappointed because I, I was going to be down there wanting the Holy Spirit to come. And, um, and I stood up and I began playing and the next thing I just felt this beautiful feeling of God just surrounding me and and I began to just sense there was something that happened inside me that was just like so powerful and I it's hard to describe it it's it's it for me it was more than just drinking a warm drink or or something that warms you it was the whole feeling of just being touched by God and I remember playing my guitar and crying and the tears were like uncontrollable because it was like I was saying, thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. And I began to what we say, speak in tongues. And I was like, well, play, while playing my guitar. And, and I was like, wow. And from that moment on, I, I just really cherished that, that feeling, that moment of when I felt that God just really invaded my space and was, you know, I, I was a part of him fully, you know. And that's, that's one, of the, one of the moments. And, and it wasn't too far long much longer when just I had a crisis in my heart with a relationship that went upside down and the same holy spirit that was in me became a comforter and a guide and and and, and touched my heart and uh, brought about healing in my heart and in my mind and 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 I began to realize that the music couldn't change me the music couldn't do anything for me apart from enjoy it but actually there was a Jesus that that would touch the real Noel, not the gifted Noel, but the real person Noel. So I think that's been the journey. And, and God gave me a quite a powerful statement. You know, I asked Lord, you know, how can I, how can I walk with your power and, and walk with your spirit always? And he just said, when you can pray more than you can play, then you're arriving. And I, and I think that's been the struggle of my whole life, praying more than I play. Um, and finding that common ground where I'm constantly in communion with God and that I have bad days and uh, Jesus is there for my bad days, but he's also there for my good days and he's good for the, the days that are indifferent um, and having that relationship with him. And I think that's, that's, that was the start of, of you know, something quite powerful for me. Just sounds like an amazing encounter moment with God's yeah. love and his presence. So, uh, and, and I've had those sorts of moments for myself as well and they are so significant especially in your walk it's just suddenly it's like it's like something switches it changes gear a little bit if i'm honest and uh, uh something that i'm so grateful and things, things like the alpha course as well they have a holy spirit weekend or day yeah. element built into them so people can experience god in that way um so uh i, th I think it's a lovely story uh you've told of the way that god came and met with you and part of that was um i had another encounter many years later and that's to do with the calling of God in my life. Because um, 
you know, you know, the book of Romans talk about Romans eight talks about the gift and the calling of God, right? Repentance. And there's an amazing thing where we are gifted in so many different ways and those gifts are given by God and we stir them and they become better. And there I was, um, um, a, a young man, um, who, who was gifted. Um, I was conscious of not becoming the gift, you know, don't become what you do, but become who you should be. God had began to speak to me about identity because uh, most of the identity I found myself in pre some of the revelation that he gave me was I identified myself as a musician always, you know, and what do you do? I'm a musician. Oh, and he goes, well, you're a son of God, you know, and come to the realization. It was actually, um, I, I got a call to, uh, to play um, for a, a, a world famous artist. That was my dream. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm made for this. Um, I won't say the name, but it was a big artist. Um, and um, I'm playing in church and I go, this is my dream because I was created to play for the world. And I, and I go for it. just an idea of the person he's saying, say hello, is it you we're looking for? That's who I was going to be, you know. And, um, and I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. But God had another plan for me. And God told me no. And I was very frustrated, angry with him because I was like, hey, you know, my dream was to play for a world famous artist. Yeah. And that's quite a big artist. Right. And you're taking him away from me. And, and this opportunity comes once in a lifetime. But then this is, this is what happens is that I'm playing for another artist and people may know her, her name's Tremaine Hawkins and uh, Tremaine Hawkins is part of the Hawkins family. And she's, if you've ever listened to the original, Oh, happy day. That's the voice on it. Okay. That is very cool. So she's and she's on tour and I'm playing for her as a British artist. And I meet a, I meet a man at that event and he introduces me to another artist, um, Graham Kendrick. And, um, and um, I became Graham Kendrick's guitarist. But it was on a second date when I had an encounter with God that, that really touched me. I was in Scotland in a place called Usher Halls. Um, I think it's Glasgow. Um, and um, I'm on the stage and we're singing this song, Such Love, Such Love, and I see, I see something above me. This is really supernaturally and may sound really kooky or whatever. But I experienced a touch from God, unlike I'd ever experienced before, because it changed me. I say it stained me. That was the moment when I, I knew that the reason why I was with Graham was not because of the music, but because of the assignment that God was about to give me. And he just said, I called you to lead my people into worship. And it was many, many years after when I got my opportunity to do that. And um, you know, I became Ron Canoli's music director, traveling all over Europe with Ron Canoli. And uh, so the music opened doors for me, but it opened doors for me to experience God in a unique way that really established the call of God in my life. What people see me doing now is the call of God in my life um, and, and understanding the differences. So from that, you know, that I'll never, ever forget that. That sounds like an extraordinary moment. And you know what? I have spoken to numbers of people and actually I've, I could probably now name maybe three or four different people I've spoken to who've physically seen something like maybe like a, a bright light coming and engulfing them. And in the Bible, it talks about uh, tongues of flame uh, on people's heads. So, uh, so these sorts of things that you're right, God is a supernatural God. So we shouldn't limit our expectations of him. And he does love to come and impact and meet us. Uh, we had, actually, we had Graham Kendrick on the show not that long ago. And uh, he, I've got to say, he is someone I hold in, in high regard and have lots of respect for him. So it's wonderful to hear that you had that opportunity. And then as part of that, got birthed into your calling as well. So yeah. that's great. Now, we, we've got another track to play from you. It's called You Give Me Life. So tell us a bit about that track. Where did it come from? There was another moment in life um, where um, I found myself as a person really broken and you know there's this saying broken but still operating in the things of god the calling of god is about repentance and um i remember one evening getting home and um just just asking god for just more of him because i felt that uh, some of the things that 
that had been happening in my emotion and in my being, I had no answer for. And this song was birthed out of that experience. And the song really is about, it really is a prayer that says, and I'm, and I'm acknowledging the thing that God will do for us when we ask him. And so listen up to it and listen to the words, you give me life. Give Me Life by Noel Robinson. And I'm so pleased that Noel is still with us here today for the artist interview. Noel, thanks for everything you've shared from your heart. Amazing story of the way that God just took you on a journey in music and in faith. Uh, and that song that uh, we just played has got some really poignant lyrics in it as well. Uh, and it'd be great if you were happy to pray for the listeners right now. Yeah, I just, you know, that song, like I said, was birthed out of moment, but the song takes you on a journey it talks about acknowledging when God breathes on us, it gives us life. And then it ends with that, do it in me, do it through me. And it talks about more than I can ask. And it says, Lord, I'm available. Do it in me, do it through me, Lord. And then it talks about miracle signs and wonders. There's something about God in that moment when I began to pray that prayer, and even though it's put to music, that God began to do a miracle in me. You know, the greatest miracle that we could ever experience is not is oftentimes seeing what others are experiencing because we all want to see others' eyes bleed, other eyes open, other ears open. We all want to see the miracles. But there's something about when a miracle happens for you, and I believe that we're in a season where God is showing up strong in people's lives and he's showing that he's, he's miraculous. To the, to the man who has no hope, even on Hope FM, God becomes your hope. To the man who lacks, God becomes the fullness of that. To those that are sick, God becomes your healer. Jesus becomes your healer. You know, to, 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 to those that need something, God becomes your provision. You know, Jehovah Elroy, we say, the God who sees and knows it all. Nothing is hidden from him. That's the God that we say. So if I prayed this prayer for you, that God will touch your life, and the first miracle that you'll experience is not in the lives of others, but that first miracle will be in your life, that you'll beyond a shadow of a doubt know that the God that you serve is willing to answer you more than you can ask or even think he's willing to do it for you. So that's why we say you give me life. And I just want to encourage you to hold on that sometimes the situation doesn't look favorable sometimes it doesn't look like it's it's working itself out but i want to let you know that our god is on the move for you aslan is on the move he's roaring he's causing enemies in front of you to to come out of the way you may not hear it or see it but god is making a straight path a crooked path straight and this is why i go that we trust in him i don't trust in my music i don't trust in the thing but i put my trust in God. He's fully trustworthy in everything, for certain. Um, for those people who aren't quite sure who, who this Jesus is, is there a particular prayer that you could just pray for them right now? Jesus is uh, a counsellor, the mighty God. He's our Father. So even as I pray, and you may not understand all of that, but I pray that your eyes will open your intellect will open and your, your ears will open. Your eyes will open that you'll see beyond sight. Your ears will open that you'll hear beyond hearing and that your heart and your intellect will open that you will receive the revelation of who Jesus is. I believe that in this season that God will reveal himself to you if you ask. Father God, I thank you for uh, these people listening. I thank you for those that are listening who may not 
understand this faith talk. Lord, I pray that you reveal yourself to them. You reveal yourself to them in a mighty way that beyond a shadow of a doubt, they'll come to know and acknowledge who you are and that they'll be your son and that, Lord, you'll be their father. Father, I thank you for all that you do. By your Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Noel. Uh, if you're listening and you don't normally go along to church and you're thinking, oh, it'd be great to maybe have a look and see what it's all about, do pop along to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are thousands of churches across the UK that would love you to find out more about God's amazing love. Noel, if it's okay, can I explore a little bit more on the subject of racism with you? Because clearly you were talking about the 60s, but racism definitely sadly is not dead yet um and obviously god calls us uh, all colors all creeds all languages uh, to be his children in his family which is great but even within the christian world i wonder if there are still barriers in place uh, and i'm not somebody who can speak into this as, as a white male i have white privilege because that's who i happen to be born as there aren't very many um black um worship leaders with perhaps the same profile you've got for example i think you were the first um black caribbean background person to if that's the right way to even describe it yeah. to to sign to integrity music um uh, do you feel that there are still barriers in place and if so what advice would you give to those people who are listening who as maybe as as white people want to be able to change how they uh, are situated or if people are stuck and feeling limited how how should they actually see the breakthroughs i think i think all of us are attached to what i call a matrix um all people we're attached to each other in in, in many ways as a human race uh, the construct of color and isms are are, are, are obviously man-made and um they're not of the heavenly nature but I, i'm reminded of this amazing story in the bible of a man that left all to follow jesus and he um he he catches so much fish that man, you know, he's got money in his pocket and he, he walks around with Jesus seeing miracles. In actual fact, he himself, um, heaven reveals who Jesus is to him. And, and, and heaven says that up on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he becomes a prophetic word is fulfilled in his life. And he becomes the leader of the first century church. His shadow heals people. He's in the upper room and, he, be, he sees the mighty rushing wind and he sees the cloven tongues and, and he leaves the room and he speaks and the people in the city go, wow, his shadow heals people. He, he discerns spirits. And then God says to him, I've got an issue with you. And he goes, what issue could you possibly have with me, God? I am, man, I've done everything righteous in my in my sight, I've done everything. The only thing that you can hold against me is that I deny Jesus. What are you saying, Lord? And, and he's, Jesus, God says again, second time, I've got a problem with you. And he shows him food. And he's like, I don't get this. Lord, I've done everything you've done. I was in prison and the church prayed. And the church prayed and I saw an angel take the door off the prison. I walked out and while they were praying, I met them in the house. I've done everything that you could possibly think. And God goes, but in your heart, you belong to a system that would stop the true message of Jesus reaching the Gentiles. And you are the key because you're the leader. But Lord, I've got nothing to do with any Gentiles. And God says, I want you to go to a Gentile's house. You can't be possibly asking me, Lord. I don't have that. And God's showing him that even though he didn't know it, he had a bias. He had an ism, a racism that stopped him and would stop him from fulfilling purpose of God for us, even me, you, that we as Gentiles could know the truth about Jesus. What am I saying with that story? Deep in our hearts, we all have prejudice. 
racism is prejudice with power. Everybody's prejudiced about something, somewhat. But racism is prejudice with power. The power to stop someone of color becoming what God said they could be. When you know what God says. The power to actually look at ourselves and go, did you choose that person because they're capable of doing it? Or did you choose that person because of the color of their skin? Privilege is, I get the privilege of worshiping God, not because a platform is open to me. I get the privilege of worshiping God because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. And I can worship God anywhere. But in the past, there's been platforms that would be shut to me or there'd be stereotypes. You know, um, I uh, well, not recently, a few years ago, I told the church that I'm a whole happy day out because they wanted me to come and do a concert that involved this little light of mine and a whole happy day. Now, I've got no problem with those songs, but I realized that you were putting me in a box and, in a stereotype. And I, my question was, would you ask any other worship leader who was white to come and sing Oh Happy Day or This Little Light of Mine? And I said, the, the hard thing about it is that I've got seven albums and you couldn't find one song on my album, but instead you wanted me to sing somebody else's song. And I go, through our isms and our prejudice, we can sometimes hold people in boxes that they should never be in. That's how I speak into racism. Somebody asked me, how do you cope with it? I go, I wear the scars, healed scars that everyone can see. But I don't stand in, in a vindictive place. I stand in a place where I celebrate everyone. You know, it's lovely just seeing you smile as you say that as well, because I can just tell your heart in it is in such a right place. Although although our country uh, and even the church is not yet in the right place, uh, it's wonderful the work that Jesus wants to do. I also live in a reality. I live in reality. And one of the realities is this may be helpful that this country has got 65 million people, but only 3% are black. That's a, that's a tiny percentage. In fact, when I when I moved from London to where I am now here in Bournemouth on the south coast, I I looked around and went, "Where's where's where's all all the people gone that I would normally see? Where's where's the multicultural gone?" And and it was it was a real shift. And yet, when I talk to people from Bournemouth, people here, they think that Bournemouth's a very multicultural place, and it probably is compared to if you go down a little bit further into Somerset. Yeah, Devon. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> For me, um, um, my kids and my wife, we were we were like so shocked. We're like this is strange. So, um, so yeah, I think yeah, the, the UK has got a lot of change to um, to still go through. But, but I would say the primary thing, the primary thing is this: it, it's not race, but it's human race, and we all have to intentionally as believers do this, we have to intentionally model what Jesus is saying. Peter's journey from his home to Cornelius's home was a journey of intention. I call it prophetic intention. This means that it's a necessity that we do this. We have to inform ourselves and we have to do this for the kingdom's sake. Because what we are doing now is changing the course of history of the church in the earth. And we see God bringing people together because we intentionally took steps to learn what it is to be a catalyst for change. That is wise words, I think. Uh, and, and to see also what God is calling us to, to change and how he wants to help us uh, to take off blinkers and, uh, and see things where he said thanks for sharing that story of peter when he was called to reach out to people beyond his own people group uh, to the people that would be the people he, he felt he shouldn't really associate with but actually uh, it brought god's love into that situation that's that's really helpful uh, no can you tell us a little bit about the sort of things that you're doing at the moment day to day and maybe you'll be doing throughout this year well um you know um we're going to be uh, 
traveling we've started to travel already actually um, which is amazing you know we've done david's tent some of the big events one event how, how was david's tent i didn't get there this year absolutely amazing you know i did sunday morning and um, um we had a phenomenal time you know thousands of people there and but more evident was the presence of god was there so strong 72 hours of non-stop worship yeah. in a great big marquee camping it's glorious so i think and doing the sun sunday morning slot is that what you said no that sounds amazing yeah i did 10 o'clock sunday morning slot which was a uh, a really cool time people were gathered in the room and we uh we just let the music and the worship rise you know so um i'm really really pleased about that and um and it's quite interesting because the backdrop to that is that i do a big event like that but on the monday i'm on the high streets of croydon with my acoustic guitar singing for people walking by and singing the gospel and just sharing my heart and it's 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 the thing when you're worship leader that you're you're called to people. Um, it's not the size of the venue or the thing. You know, uh, some of the places that I lead worship in over the many years, I was a, a worship leader leading in the House of Parliament, um, leading MPs. Um, in actual during the lockdown, um, I led worship for um, the Labour Party. This is amazing. Tell, tell me just a little bit about about this. So, how how many? MPs, if you're if you're at the House of Parliament, are we talking about sort of a handful, like five MPs turn up to worship, or, or who's who is it coming to these sessions? They, they have these gatherings in the House of Parliament um, in the Undercroft, which is the chapel underneath, you know, the one that was built by Oliver Cromwell. It's a 14th century chapel, which is absolutely beautiful, ornate, everything, and 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 sometimes it can be a gathering of 100, 200 people. Wow. And oftentimes there's a speaker and, and I'm a worship leader there. So I've been doing that for many, many years. And actually, that's one of the things that really sparked that song, We Seek Your Kingdom. And I don't know if you saw that with um, Thy Kingdom Come, um, the Archbishop and LICC grabbing hold of this song that was a, a re-imagined um, version of Abide With Me. I don't know if you saw that, um, but it's online now. If you search, if you look for We Seek Your Kingdom, it's a song that I wrote with a friend of mine, um, Andy and Graham. So we wanted to write a song that would really um, become a prayer. Um, and it's uh, We Seek Your Kingdom. And each verse tackles a prayer for a sphere of influence. So there's a prayer for commerce. There's a prayer for, um, for, for schools, education. There's a prayer for politics. There's a prayer, each verse. And it, the ending tagline is, you know, transform, revive and heal society. Um, we've seen this song being used in the civic centres, in the town halls uh, by many people. So I, I, I got to introduce that and I got to do that. So leading worship isn't just about churches, but there are, there are many other um, opportunities that I get to do prayer meetings for churches together in England, um, so many different things like that. So leaving worship for civil servants, Christians who are civil servants, and they gather hundreds, hundreds of them. And I, I've had opportunities to lead worship for them, you know, so um, that's great. I'll tell you what, what we, what we do know, let, let's hear a little bit of We Seek Your Kingdom right now. track i'm sure actually when we played just then people will have gone oh yeah i have heard that so it's it's a great piece and uh, it's amazing to hear the different places it's been used uh, and the things that god has done through it and the opportunities that it's opened up as well but i also love the fact that you said not only are you leading big venues and big things but you're also just getting out onto the streets of croydon and just bringing worship to people as they go past how do people react to that um people are quite sometimes people are quite surprised to see me um you know, if they know me. Um, other than that, I, I don't go in there. Um, I, I just sing worship songs. I really believe the power of uh, the presence of God. You know, worship is a vehicle. Um, therefore, we don't worship the vehicle. 
Uh, but the, the reward of worship is the presence of God. And I believe that when, when the presence of God touches a man's life, that's what changes him, not the music. It's the presence of God. And uh, the presence of God can use the music to travel in, but it's the presence that makes change. So I believe in filling our towns and our cities with just heaven. And in doing so, what we, what we, what we do is we create an atmosphere that people are walking in and they're not even aware of the atmosphere they're walking in. They're walking in an atmosphere that carries power to transform lives, that, that carries power to restore lives, that carries power to rearrange and, and change lives in such a powerful way. And that can be done because somebody just standing and, and there were many people standing there as I began to sing, standing there and just soaking in the, the presence of God. And, and while we're doing it, I'm, in, I'm singing intercession. I'm telling God how great he is. I'm telling, I'm singing my songs. I'm singing rain. I'm singing, you give me life. I'm singing those songs that God has given me, knowing that God's word doesn't return void. That's why when I write songs, I write songs that are word based because those songs never come back. They always find a place to land. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. That sounds absolutely amazing. And what a blessing uh, you are being out there, just loving people and singing Jesus over them. That's a great thing to do. So music-wise, obviously, you've, your, new, your new single uh, came out 27th of August. You are unrivaled. Have you got plans for a new album in the next sort of year or? Yeah, we've got plans for a new project. Um, um, and uh, I've been doing some, um, if you, you know, I, I do lots of different things. So we've got a new series coming out um, on TBN UK called Vox Collective. Well, we're in the second season of it. So I've been doing the Vox Collective. And we've got a new series coming out very shortly. And, and we've got um, some stuff that I've been doing with Compassion. Um, Compassion UK is one of the uh, charities that are really dear to my heart just being able to change some lives of some young people and seeing them come to a, a, a fullness um, you know um, so we're doing we're doing a big Christmas special for them which is really good and um, and then next year early next year we're looking at um, doing a new project and uh, that people can uh, look forward to bearing in mind that I did release a project called I Surrender which was released um, the, the top end of 2019 as in the end of 2019 just before 2020 started which obviously the lockdown oh, of course. and i couldn't tour because yeah. of the whole lockdown so that album called i surrender is online now i know you love the songs on that songs that speak about hope the name of jesus that speak about relationship that speak about finding a god that is your staff and your rod when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. So songs of comfort. So please check out that album, songs of joy, celebrating. So those are some of the things that are out there. My website is noelrobinson.com, www.noelrobinson.com. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Noel Robinson TV. You can find me on Instagram, Noel Robinson UK. You can find me on Twitter, Noel Robinson UK. And you can find me on Facebook, just Noel Robinson. And um, you find out the things that I'm doing, the churches that I'm visiting and, just as God just um, helps me just to share my heart with people. That's what I use it for. And if people want to try and book you to come to their church, is the sort of thing they can just pop on the website and make a request? Yeah, go to the website, go to bookings and just make a request. Uh, my office will be in touch with you and, and they'll go through all the procedure of getting us to your church and don't be frightened, but just check us out. We, we're, um, we do travel a lot. We do go to lots of different denominations and churches. So, um, you know, I'm always excited to, to, to go somewhere new. Oh, that sounds that sounds like a great opportunity. I, I hope some of the church will take that up. Could I ask you quickly about the Kingdom Worship Movement? Um, is that something that's yeah. still active at the moment? Yeah, Kingdom Worship Movement is is, is still active in a sense that uh, the pandemic didn't allow us to do uh, our last event, which is a retreat. But we're looking at, at doing some event next year where it's just a gathering of worshippers, where we teach and train worshippers um, in, in, in the spirit of how to work in the spirit as they lead worship. You know, one of the things is difficult to teach worshippers is musical skills. You know, everybody's got a genre they like, you know, some like four chords, some like a lot more. Everybody likes this style of music that, but I say we don't worship worship. We worship God. 
Yeah. And he marks us by his presence. So we want to build worship leaders who are sensitive to the spirit of God, not to a musical genre and the rules of that genre. You know, I have a saying that uh, thunder is the sound of lightning. And it's quite easy to copy the thunder. But when you copy the thunder, just know that you're working on second hand. You know, this eight year old Noel who's working on the revelation of his dad. But 18 year old Noel sees the lightning and the sound that he makes from that moment on is attached to the revelation of who Jesus is. So true worship is humanity's response to the revelation of who Jesus is. So we train and teach uh, worship leaders and worshipers and, uh, and we have these amazing meetings, normally around a thousand people show up. Wow. And they're really, really powerful, powerful meetings. Yeah. We've been doing it for 10, 10, 12 years. So definitely something worth checking out. If you're a worship leader and you're wanting to, take people on a uh, more of an encounter with God in the worship, perhaps learn some of those skills. That sounds like a great opportunity uh, to get involved. So this track we're about to play, it's your brand new single. It's called You Are Unrivaled. Tell us about it before we hear it. Wow, You Are Unrivaled, simply in, in a nutshell, is we're talking about the supremacy of God. This is a God that doesn't just exist in the pandemic Jehovah Elroy, God who sees and knows it all, but he's also the supreme God that 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 breathed and spoke a word. He spoke to carbon and oxygen and formed the firmament. He spoke to hydrogen, oxygen, he formed the firmament. This is the God that sits above it and above it all. And he sees and knows your journey in it. And he's a God that's reaching out to you. And he's saying to you, put me on your heart. And one of the first commandments, he said, you should have no other gods but me. So what we say is, God, we're casting down every idol, the things we say, the things we possess. We take them off the throne of our hearts, Lord, and we put you on the throne of our hearts. And Jehovah Elohim, the supreme God, when he's in that rightful place, he does stuff in our life. The favor of God follows us. And that was You Are Unrivaled by Noel Robinson. And thank you so very much to Noel for coming and joining us today for The Artist Interview. And I hope you, dear listener, really enjoyed that. He had some amazing stories to tell and had some really important points, I think. You know what? There are also loads of other artists and other interviews for you to enjoy. And hopefully they'll all stretch you, maybe in different directions and in different ways. But the stories that these artists have got to tell are the stories of their lives and the stories of their encounters with God uh, and who he is. So if you just pop onto your favourite podcast platform and search up The Artist Interview, you'll be able to find many more artists, many more stories and more of the blessings of God. Thanks so much for your time. I'm Gordon T. God bless you. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.